district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be trading. And I always be trading. Trading. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District. Going into week nine, uh, similar to Squid Games, right? Less and less teams uh, are, are at the top, more more teams at the bottom, similar to the tight end position, actually. But uh, like we do it every week, guys, coming in strong with a huge guest again tonight. So smash the like, smash the subscribe. You see him on the screen. He doesn't really need an introduction, but we will give him one anyways. Director of Analytics, analytics excuse me at establish the run uh mike leone welcome to the goat district brother yeah thanks for having me on i'm pumped excited to do this show so nervous i'm tripping over my words over here buddy we (laughs) we are pumped to have you on tonight uh in all honesty man big fan uh of your work anna jimenez uh jumping in as usual in the chat dan and theo i know you guys are pumped for tonight this is one we've been waiting for yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's a great honor to have Mike on and, uh, you know, we're we're happy to uh, kind of pick his brain on a, a pretty tough week this week. So it's it's well time. It's a juicy yeah, one, really, if you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, we had a great show this summer with Justin Herzig, our dynasty uh, league mate, also an established the run guy. So hoping we get that same kind of goodness tonight out of Mike, as I know we will. I got to be Justin, so. <laughs> there you go it's very it's very it's very tough it's very tough it is if you're not already guys he's at two hats one Mike on the twitter machine and you can find him like we said establish the run uh talk to us about establish the edge uh great podcast i know you're a big dfs guy but you kind of mix it up on there with some redraft uh let the people know what they can expect if they're not already following yeah the establish the edge podcast i actually had started that with pat Corain. When he was with ETR, he's now full-time with NBC Sports Edge doing great stuff. But the idea of the podcast was kind of, I mean, it's called Establish the Edge, but that was kind of what we're trying to do is, you know, think about things in maybe a little bit of a different way than usual fantasy to find where our edge can be. So as a result, it's, you know, kind of a hodgepodge of episodes. You know, we'll we'll do Dynasty, we'll do DFS, we'll do straight redraft, just kind of trying to think through concepts. Recently had Joe Holka on which was a really good podcast was kind of half you know how do we do approach FanDuel tournament strategy how does that differ from DraftKings and then half you know how do you establish your edge just within the industry like doing stuff that you guys are doing me and Hulk are doing you kind of how do you, you kind of carve out a role because I know a lot of people are interested in that so we kind of cover a, a whole slew of topics 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, big reason we're pumped to have you this week is exactly that. It's a juicy week. There's a lot going on injuries, uh, you know, not so good news today that we'll touch on for sure, but we bring you in an important week. Um, Talk to us about, uh, were, were you part of that, uh, the walk-off CD Lamb? I know you mentioned something. <laughs> I watched it, and I can't for the life of me remember. I was laughing the whole time. You, you were yeah. on there, right? Yeah, that was, we do a show called Tilt Space on Sunday nights. Me, Joe Holka, who I just talked about, and Peter Overset, where we've got a bankroll we started for the year, and we enter you know, DraftKings tournament, sometimes FanDuel ourselves. And we had that that week was kind of wild. It was the week that Dallas was at New England and game went to overtime. And we, we kind of were on this show the whole time. We started off being kind of a boring show because our teams were basically dead. And then this team just rose from the bottom like <laughs> dramatically in the last 10 minutes, you know, culminating in this walk off CD Lamb overtime touchdown, you know, last play of the game, last play of the entire DFS slate. And we came in third in one of uh, our higher stakes tournaments. So that was really exciting. That, that that's was awesome. Definitely, yeah, it was so entertaining. I catch so many of those those shows that, on the channel. And that's why I was kind of, I'm like, I couldn't remember. But that was a, that was definitely an entertaining one. Sorry, Theo. Yeah. No, I was just saying that's awesome. That's I mean, that that's tremendous. Nothing better than, than, than live DFS, um, you know, with the swings and all that. That's fantastic. We've, yes. we've had the sweats on both sides and it's definitely a lot more fun charging from behind versus, <laughs> you know, just praying every game ends and just watching the clock tick, tick, tick. So it was, it was definitely fun to be on that side of the sweat. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's, that's way better. You know, there's nothing worse than just watching, watching the guy you don't need to score wide open. You're like, no, don't throw it. Don't throw it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're hoping it's a Carson Wentz to uh, Jonathan Taylor. No, I don't want to throw it there. I'm going to throw it somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's a it, it's it's a lot of fun doing that. Uh, you know, we do the same thing in season long, uh, and you know, this is a time of year where teams are starting to charge a little bit. Uh, you know, we, me and Theo have uh, a team that we have that's uh, been moving right on up the rankings pretty well, and. Uh, we took a, we're, we're, we're having trouble like winning individual games, but you know, as far as like our total points, they're going great. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to take it where you can get it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we should, uh, definitely make the playoffs in total points. And, uh, you know, if our team keeps coming together the way it is, it could, could do some, some nice stuff. Yeah. That's a fun team. I mean, this time of year is just like Dan was saying, it's it, the, the finish line is in sight and it's, you know, you got to keep reading and react with the news, and, and you got to keep making your roster better. But um, it's it's really exciting when you have a when you have a good team this time, kind of a year, and you're making small little changes. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Dan. So guys, smash the like, smash the subscribes. We're gonna we're gonna get deep into it, Theo. I'll let you kind of start it off here. Analytics for the edge, and you know, talking about edge, like we said, guys, we're here to give you that edge every week. Smash the like, Theo. Let's jump into the goodness. Let's pick this man's brain. Yes. Yeah, so we'll start out with kind of a, a, a broad question, and, and you can approach it any way you want, Mike. But what is your general approach to data analysis, and how do you use analytics in your approach to season-long and DFS? Are there specific metrics you immediately look at when analyzing a game, um, or is it more about taking a, a step back, looking at a bigger picture, and then zooming in? Yeah, it's generally taking you know a step back, looking at big picture for both season long and DFS. You know, my macro approach to data analysis and how I use it is I try and 
find where I can add value. You know, I think sometimes people try too much to add value in a whole ton of different ways. You know, I'm a bit of a data guy. I'm not a film guy. You know, I've got Evan Silva's whose brain I can pick, you know, for, for that side of things, for the NFL side of things, or, you know, I'm really close with Pat Corrine, even though he's not with ETR anymore. And he knows prospects way better than I do. So take Jamar Chase, for example, I can trust someone who has a much better idea than me that Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receiver prospects we've ever seen. You're one of the best prospects since Amari Cooper. So then what I'm trying to do is take that qualitative information. I'm not trying to make my own determination. I'm not trying to watch film on, on Jamar Chase to figure out, but I'm trying to take someone whose opinion I trust and see, you know, how can I kind of quantify that for a season long fantasy? And then for me, like with Jamar Chase, it doesn't mean, that, oh, I'm going to put him in the fourth round because, you know, Pat Crane likes him, but it is, I'm going to put him down in our projections for, you know, a 20 plus percent target share, which might seem aggressive for a rookie, but I think he can earn it just based on his talent and his skill set. So that's like a pretty specific example, but that's sort of what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, where I think my edge is kind of understanding where I add value and like quantifying some of the stuff that other people who do add value and are better at other things than me do. And, you know, that's very broad, but it applies to both season long and DFS. And I think with DFS, you know, a big component of it is really not swaying too much to, you know, just what happened last week. And I think the DFS market in general has gotten a lot sharper where they don't just game log watch anymore, but that's a big thing is kind of, you know, trusting what's stable in terms of the volume guys are getting and what might be a little bit more fluky, which is like the efficiency side of things, you know, uh, God might just have a crazy high yards per target. We're expecting that to regress. And that's where I can sort of add value and be like, listen, I know, you know, this guy scored 20 fantasy points last week, but, you know, he only saw five targets and, and we can kind of quantify that in, in a pretty sharp way. And, and it all works beautifully I, until we get to Robbie Anderson, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we were supposed to save Robbie for later. You're just throwing him at me right away. Yeah, Dan's got to throw that in there every episode, eh? nice and early this time. Thankfully, Dan, uh, Robbie Anderson did us all a favor and only saw one target last week so we could like just maybe wipe them from our minds and not not think about it. But I, I was uh, joking that I was playing a game of chicken with Robbie Anderson where I, I couldn't resist the nine targets. It's like it's got to come sooner or later. <laughs> But th- this is what I mean, where the field's getting a little bit sharper with game log watching. Like he, he was owned in 10% of rosters, you know, in the Millie Maker last week on DraftKings. So, uh, we, which, you know, was higher than you would expect given what he's done. So, thank you, Robbie. You've won the game of chicken. You only saw one target. I can stop rostering you. <laughs> yeah, same. That's I can great. stop putting him in my starting lineups for my uh, redraft <laughs> leagues, too. It's just, uh, that was painful for a while. Brutal. And how do you see a correlation um, when you're preparing for the season, um, the correlation between, uh, you know, season long and DFS? So you're, you're analyzing, um, you know, you're analyzing basically two sides, but they, they kind of come together. Yeah, where they come together is we get, we get a pretty good idea for, you know, our team expectations for play calling. You know, like that, that's like a big thing that. I feel like I have an edge in quantifying a little bit is sort of understanding how teams are going to operate and, you know, just backtesting some models, like understand like their total pace plays per game, their pass rate. And, you know, that's a really direct application to DFS right away, week one from season long. And then also 
uh, you know, just all, all the work that we go into season long for kind of figuring out guys' true talent levels. Like this guy's going to get this much yards per catch and, you know, you know, the efficiency metrics, those are very helpful. Where it can kind of differ is in season long, a lot of times we're weighing like the upside that can occur over the course of a season. And you got to retrain your brain for week one to be like, you know, okay, maybe I was really high on Tony Pollard because of the contingency value on, you know, something happening to Zeke Elliott, but you got to understand the situation week one, or even a situation like Jamar Chase, who I was really high on season long, felt like over the course of a season could earn this target share. It ended up happening faster than I thought, but week one DFS, you have to be a little bit more reasonable, understand like, okay, what's the situation for this exact week? I'm not going to implement all that enthusiasm, you know, for something that's going to happen over the course of the season, I have to do my best to kind of pin down exactly what the role is going to be for this specific week. No, I think think that's great. That's great stuff. Um, JD, do you have any follow-up questions on that? Yeah, I was going to, before I pass it to Dan, is there a way that our audience that can maybe better utilize analytics in the way that they approach, um, you know, to obviously to become, we're talking about giving an edge. Uh, is there something that maybe you think uh, players are not paying attention to that that maybe they should be that might give them that edge? Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard to pin down one thing. I guess the biggest thing for me is kind of like having this patient mindset, you know, especially when it comes to DFS, sometimes with season long and just understanding that. I, th- I think we do a pretty good job over, you know, one, two game, even three game samples of not overreacting, but football is a really small sample size as a season that, you know, guys can run bad for even like five, six games. And like trying to make that determination between, I know you had, you know, something on here about, you know, Allen Robinson to talk about later versus Brandon Ayu, but like kind of understanding, you know, do I be patient with a guy like Allen Robinson? And that's where I think if you kind of look at the role and the play calling, what we're seeing, you know, is sort of what we're going to get, you know, moving forward versus there might be some other players where be, Robbie went, went down the, the wrong way, but players like him who maybe are, are earning this really strong target share and we know there's going to regress from an efficiency standpoint. Didn't happen with Robbie. We lost out on that, but like sort of just taking that long view over the course of the season. I know there's not, that's not like a specific metric type thing, but uh, I do think using analytics can kind of help us to do that. Danny's speaking your language with patience, right? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, that's it, you know that that's the greatest thing I can bring, and also sometimes my greatest curse is being a little bit over patient. I feel you, Dan. I mean, that's that's <laughs> how I am. I, as we're you know going to talk about some waiver wire candidates, that's the same thing too. Where I'm like. Yeah, you know, I'm the guy sometimes sitting there with too much fab money because I'm a little too patient with the guys on my roster and a little, little sometimes too picky with the guys that are out there on the wire. But as you guys noted, it's it's time to make moves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, so I, I I'm gonna kind of turn that same question from JD, you know, um, on its head a little bit and ask are there are there any things that you see like. Uh, out on Twitter or, you know, any leagues, you know, like players using analytics in the wrong way or just not paying attention to uh, what they really need to be, you know, like they're, they're following red herrings, mm-hmm. things that don't really matter that aren't predictive. 
that you just see, you know, people constantly doing in the game? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, in the past, I would have said game log watching too much, but I think people have started to get a little bit better with that. They're a little bit better on the patient side of things. Uh, I think people are also a little bit better in understanding, you know, target share versus raw targets and, you know, where that can be a misnomer where a team just has, you know, maybe a fluky high, you know, pass rate for a few games and some guys are spiking in terms of targets, but their share is actually pretty low and that should adjust what we're doing going forward. So I think the mistakes people might make sometimes are in like these opportunity metrics are becoming more popular and they can be really good. Like uh, you know, expected fantasy points based on, you know, you get a carry from the six yard line. Like that has a certain expected fantasy points and it's a nice kind of tool to quickly kind of see guys who've been unlucky and guys who have been lucky and see if they'll regress. But the component I think of that, that people miss sometimes is that's contingent on those opportunities remaining the same moving forward. You know, so if, if I've been really unlucky based on my current, on my role, it's like, yes, the fantasy points should arise if that role stays the same. But sometimes that's a question mark if that role stay the same. And that's where like, maybe, you know, I'm using two sides of the Robbie Anderson thing where like, maybe I made a mistake with Robbie where it's like, you know, a guy like that maybe has been so bad that we should actually expect the the volume to come down, even though if it were to hold, he would perform obviously better than he did. So there's sort of two sides of that coin and it's a little bit nuanced, but I think that's, you know, a mistake sometimes people make is leaning too much on those expected fantasy point metrics that are born solely out of opportunity and don't look at how predictive that opportunity might be moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point, you know, and another one that, um, you know, I, I kind of started realizing this year was sometimes tripping me up is, uh, you know, like a running back, uh, you know, getting a good opportunity score because he got a carry from the five and then he got a carry from the three, then he got a carry from the one, you know, and so you got three big opportunity scores, but those all came on the same drive, you know, the same set of downs. uh, It's, you know, it it like overstates in my mind. Yeah. So I didn't mean to that's a super good point. I was actually thinking that in my head too. There was a game two years ago with the Bills where I think Frank Gore had four straight runs from the one yard line and didn't score. So, yeah. you know, you're looking at these, you know, on that drive, he had like two expected touchdowns. You know, it's like obviously you can only cap it at one flex. Had he scored on the first one, we would have said he had half an expected touchdown. So, but because he failed, it actually, he had two expected touchdowns. So, you know, that clearly doesn't jive. And those are things, you know, if you're, you can kind of tweak those to do that better if you're doing it really well, but that's a really good point to bring up and sometimes can make the guys who have been getting unlucky look even unluckier than they have been in reality. Yeah. That's just something I've started looking at a lot more this year and just kind of, you know, if, if, somebody's opportunity looks kind of screwy high i you know i'll start kind of trying to dig into well what you know what exactly happened in that game was there was there a reason why like that or was it you know or were they actually just getting that many opportunities on different drives or different sets of downs or whatever and just to just to follow up um this is a little bit a little bit of dfs and a little bit of season long what what contests um, have you been in this year? Um, you know, is it have you been focusing on, you know, the the DFS or have you know uh, you're also in with the with the best ball tournaments? 
Um, and how do you go about choosing which contests to enter on a weekly basis? Yeah, so, I mean, right now my focus is, is mostly on DFS, but in you know the offseason, I'm slanted a little bit more towards best ball than straight redraft just because I know I'm going to be so busy with DFS in season that it's hard to manage all the teams on wires. I co-manage quite a few teams. Do have an FFPC main event team with Sylvan Levitan that we you know, streamed for these, you know, the established to run listeners. And I think we're like third in points right now. We have a team kind of similar to, you know, your guys' team where we're not running so hot on, on record. That That's a team where we're desperate at running back though. So uh, some of these wire additions we'll be looking at this week. Uh, so I, I like playing the FFPC leagues, NFFC and for best ball, I mostly play on underdog, but I really enjoyed playing on FFPC, like their their tournament. I thought just the way the ADPs fell in that tournament were a little bit better for me, the way that my style of play is suited. So I'm excited to see how some of those teams turn out. But for DFS each week, I generally play a little bit more on DraftKings than FanDuel. And some of it's just honestly like personal preference. Like I just like the scoring system better. I feel like I have a better grasp on it with the full point per reception and the bonuses at 100 yards. I think my brain can wrap around both the correlation side of things a little bit more. And I think if you have an edge in projections, having stuff be full point per reception and those bonuses make it a little bit less touchdown heavy than FanDuel, which makes it you know slightly more predictable. But I like playing both sites. And generally, regardless of site, I like to play the smaller field tournaments, you know, tournaments with 200 to 400 people, you know, sometimes even less. You know, that's kind of my bread and butter. One, I think it's, more profitable because people play like just their cash games in there. So if you're kind of thoughtful on what you're doing, you can get a pretty good edge because you know what the ownerships are going to be. If people are just rolling their cash games in there, um, people some, sometimes make the mistake of not being contrarian enough in those types of tournaments. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think there's an edge, but then just from an entertainment standpoint, you know, you legitimately have a shot to win a tournament. If you play those, you know, 17 weeks all year round and you're just going to run yourself into a sweat sooner or later. If you're playing in thousand, 10,000, 40,000 man tournaments, you know, the, the odds are against you from actually pulling down a tournament, which has nothing to do with your expected ROI or anything. Your ROI could be the same in those tournaments. But just for me, I find it more gratifying to actually you know, have that sweat once or twice throughout the season. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, just kind of knowing, you know, what what your style is, is, I think, an important point, uh, you know, because if, if you're if you're playing those medium sized tournaments, like it's a, you know, a massive tournament, uh, you know, you can you can outsmart yourself, I would I would think on that. And then, like you said, if you're just playing it like a cash game, you're, you're probably not getting edgy enough. You know, you're not getting the contrarian enough. Yeah, I saw the question David asked if ETR was going to do something for the FFPC playoffs tourney. Um, yeah, we'll definitely do something for the FFPC playoffs. I don't know if you guys play the playoff challenge there. I love that. Like that, that's my jam, that type of game. Like, you know, I can go full galaxy brain on that, like trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, cause it's, it's like this beautiful cross section of season long and DFS to an extent and, you know, figuring out what the field's going to roster, you know, what percentage these guys at and, kind of figuring out how the playoff bracket's going to work out. Like you, you can get on a game that's set up seemingly really simple. You can get, you know, a few Super levels deep unique. on it. Yeah. It's fun, man. It's like a Rubik, multiple Rubik's cubes, right? It's uh, 
It's also the first thing I ask Alex every year when we uh, renegotiate the partnership is uh, you'll hook me up with uh, that entrance <laughs> into the playoff. <laughs> we, we get our entrance in every year. I mean, the entrance for for our, our football guys is not as, as great, right, guys, uh, so far. Um, but uh, the, no, the playoff one is super fun. It's different layers, right? And uh, anything you guys can get uh, help-wise, obviously on our show, we'll have some guests that can help you guys out. But uh, check out... Uh, what they do over there at ETR because it's always goodness on there. We'll try to uh, address some of the questions as we go through this. Dan, I'm going to pass you that. That la- I'm going to let you take that last question before I pass it to you. Um, I want to talk about. Uh, we talked about establish the edge, and you recently did a mock uh, superflex redraft uh, of the 2021 rookie class. What were your biggest takeaways from that and uh, from that uh, you know from that activity or that episode? And who are your biggest risers? Yeah, I mean, biggest risers, you know, we did this episode before Michael Carter had this huge role come up. So yeah. we, we kind of missed on him. Like that that would have been a pretty big riser. Um, as far as stuff we learned, like just at the top of the draft for Superflex, it's still so intriguing. I think there might be a good buy opportunities on these quarterbacks that probably fetched a huge price in the rookie redraft. And I know one of the biggest pitfalls for me in season long this year is I have relied a little bit too much on, you know, hoping Justin Fields and Trey Lance would start and realize their upside and, it, you know, it hasn't come to fruition, which has been frustrating. But I think that makes those guys like really good buy low in Superflex Dynasty where, I, I mean, you're not going to get them cheap. Like people aren't panicking, but I think it might be like they might make them available when they may have not otherwise. And I still think those guys like looking to next year and beyond could be, you know, top 10 quarterback options for a handful of years. And it's just crazy up top the talent, you know, with Kyle Pitts, if you're in tight end premium and Jamar chase, uh, and then you got Najee Harris. I think it was Ryan McDowell from dynasty league football was tweeting, you know, arguably this rookie class has the dynasty RB one wide receiver one and tight end one, which is, pretty insane to think about um the the receivers i think all look good like the receivers you took at the one two turn i think everybody should be patient with you know i think rashad bateman is going to carve out a nice role and it's nice seeing Baltimore. we were saying how it's funny generally you'd think a guy who was hurt and didn't play his stock would drop quite a bit but for bateman ironically it's kind of risen just because of the success we've seen baltimore have passing the football we've seen them be more aggressive the attempts are there and like that was kind of the big concern was can he carve out a big enough role and we saw sammy watkins have a 20 percent target share and enough team volume to get there that if he can you know join that spot he doesn't really have to beat out mark andrews and marquise brown whereas going into the year, I sort of thought that was going to have to be a prerequisite for him to hit any sort of upside. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, we, you're talking to uh, at least a couple of good Bateman fans here. Oh, yeah. As well, right. on this oh, show, yeah. we've uh, we've been very high on him and uh, preaching patience. So uh, we're, we're excited to see how the second half unfolds for him. But, yeah, it was kind of, I, I thought it was kind of funny that, uh, you know, as you notice, you know, we do have the – that top running back wide receiver uh, tight end in dynasty. And they came from a class that was supposedly really, you know, not all that great. Um, you know, we did think it was pretty nice at the top, but uh, I don't think anybody expected it to be quite this nice so far. Um, you know, but that's also the dynasty community. We, um, we sometimes, 
you know, try to anoint people a little too fast. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it sits by the end of the year. And I do think you're right with, um, you know, the opportunity on the quarterbacks. I think uh, the prices on them are coming down a little bit right now. It's also just kind of crazy, you know, the nuance of each specific rookie draft class. Like this one, so top heavy, right? Like the top six mm-hmm. picks. If you had one of those picks, you almost couldn't go wrong, assuming you're being patient with Lance and Fields and the other guys are all producing. But, you know, the back end, you know, looks a little shakier. Zach Wilson struggling. Um, I mean, Mac Jones is in there and starting. He's fine. But th- there was a clear drop off, I guess, is my point. Whereas, you know, the year we had CeeDee Lamb and Swift and Justin Herbert, you know, it was pretty juicy, like almost the entire first round. And those first round picks, man, the value sometimes can be, you know, it's pretty volatile on them. Yep, for sure. So let's jump into uh, one other thing that uh, you've you've been looking at um is the the proe uh, can you explain to us what uh proe is and how you're using that um to to help yourself out on your own uh dfs and fantasy and uh how how can the rest of us use it as well because i like the concept here yeah it's proe stands for pass rate over expectation i used to have my own model for this now I mainly am using NFL Fast R. They have open source data. Each play for they mark as what the expected pass is on the play. And that's based on you know the team's down and distance, the time remaining in the game, what their win probability is at that, you know, the score differential. It takes like all those factors and basically says, you know, your expected pass. The average team in this exact situation would pass, you know, 55% of the time. So if you throw on that down, like that's, you know, plus 45 percentage points, you know, um, and then you do that for every single play. It gives you a good idea of which teams are most aggressive, actually throwing the ball relative to their game script, what that would indicate. And it's a little bit nicer than just looking at, you know, first people look at like situation neutral pass rate, which is okay, but that doesn't always take into account the exact score, you know, time remaining in the game and you get less plays out of that. This is applicable to every play. So it's just a really good metric to find out how teams are calling plays from a passing perspective. And the reason why that's important is game script can dictate so much what happens with pass rate that it can look like very unstable over the course of the season. So if we know what teams are doing relative to game script and then we know what the projected game script is going to be like based on the Vegas line for that week we start to get a better idea of how often a team's going to throw the ball than if we just looked at their previous pass rate so that's why I find it pretty useful and over the course of the season it can be useful too uh, you can see here Cincinnati's pass rate in the red zone's huge and then for the th- this one's for all situations not just in the red zone it's in the red zone and out of the red zone yeah sorry uh, some of the things lagging a bit so i apologize oh yeah, yeah no no worries but you can see if you go to the overall one like tampa bay and casey are just crushing it so like dfs for example people sometimes are like too worried about game script like oh is the quarterback going to throw it's 14 point spread but we know tom brady by this you know chart is going to throw regardless of the situation whereas you know, you get another team like Cleveland down there, you know, they have a very negative pass rate over expectation. If they get into a game where they're up a lot, you know, it's going to be run after run after run. So it can be pretty useful in that sense. And I do like to look at trends over the course of the season. The Bengals, I was really high on coming into the year because I thought they would have a neutral, a high pass rate of expectation. And they took it pretty easy on Burrow to start the year and it was low. 
But if you see their chart, like they're kind of in the middle right now about neutral, but their first four games were all negative. Their last four games were all positive. So they're trending in the right direction for sure. Like really high on this Bengals passing attack. Yeah, I think that's one of the important things is to just, you know, not only look at the snapshot of where we're at right now, but, you know, what is, what is the trend? Where are they heading? Uh, you know, because teams are teams are always kind of changing their identity as they move through the, the season. Uh, you know, defenses play them differently or, you know, they 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 play, you know, defenses of a different style or, you know, you move into kind of the late part of the year and they're playing, uh, you know, more divisional rivals, things like that. You know, those can all influence it as well. So it's kind of nice to see, uh, you know, from week to week how they're how the th- how it's changing. Tennessee will look a little different on that chart uh, pretty shortly, I would imagine. <laughs> that, yeah, and that's another way to use it, too, is like we know Tennessee is going to look different. You know, A.J. Brown's already, you know, bounced back and crushed, you know, a couple of straight games. Like, you're just understanding that, you know, that they're so far from neutral. Like, what happens if they're even just neutral? You know, we're going to see, you know, a lot more volume in the passing game. You know, hopefully Julio can get back and... Uh, I think the upside on Tannehill, Julio, AJ Brown is pretty massive rest of season as long as you know losing Henry doesn't affect their efficiency too much. What's the biggest surprise there for you, Mike, when you look at those? Is it Washington? Like if I sorry, man, I'm I'm asking you the question. I don't yeah. even have it up, but um <laughs> No, that's that's all good. Uh to start this season, it was um actually let me let me let me pull it. I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna pull it up. I was I was so proud of myself for getting the the thing on the screen. Everything went so smooth, and of course, <laughs> just too good to be true. I, I got it coming. We want to we want to test test your memory of the chart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, there it is. So biggest surprise, oh, man. I've been surprised at the Raiders this year in a lot of regards. One has been the aggressiveness of their pass rate, which kind of ties into, I really thought their offense would regress and score less points. And, you know, we've seen Carr really go down the field. So I've been impressed with them. And then also both LA teams, we've seen, you know, what McVay is going to do with a quarterback he trusts, you know, their third in pass rate over expectation. I think they were like neutral last year. And then in the red zone, they were crazy run heavy last year. So that one, and it's, awesome to see what the chargers are doing with herbert and staley there you know you bring in a defensive minded coach sometimes you're not so sure but they've been ramping up the pace they're running a lot of plays per game their pass waiver expectations great so whether you're in dynasty or redraft i mean i know they just had a off week but it's really looking bright for the chargers and i i know mike williams is one of those players that i was trying i was off on in the off season, like I was a little too low, lower than I should have been, but like very quickly changed my mind on him. And this is one of those things that kind of helps you early in the season to maybe like make your decisions a little quicker, whether a guy's fluky or not was just understanding this chargers offense was operating differently and was going to throw so much and how that would impact Mike Williams. Yep. That definitely makes sense. Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. Uh, just a bunch of goodness coming out. I mean, we tried to to hit the strategy here, talking analytics, giving you the edge, looking macro. We're going to kind of narrow it down now. We're going to focus. We talked about how juicy this week is in good ways and bads. Some bad news coming out of uh, Vegas this week with Henry Ruggs. Uh, you know, I'm sure most of you by now have seen uh, the pictures or have seen the headlines and the details 
uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to hear any of that. I, it's, you know, two lives unnecessarily uh, just uh, damaged, you know, uh, obviously, and, and just uh, wasted. And, and it, it's just a tragedy because it can be avoided easily. Uh, you know, Uber it or whatever it is. I'm sure these guys have different options. So guys, you know, it's not worth it, guys. No drinking and driving out there. But looking on the fantasy side of things, uh, Mike, I'll go to you. Like, how does this change things? Are we looking at guys like Brian Edwards in a new light with uh, with kind of an opening of the targets now? And and how, how do you see this changing the landscape uh, in the Vegas offense? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely concerns over the Vegas offense, if they're going to be able to operate. I mentioned them as a team that I was impressed with this year. And part of that's, you know, the field stretching ability of Ruggs, the ability to, you know, not only make plays for himself, but stretch the field and clear out for some of the more underneath routes for Renfro and Waller. But, uh, you know, taking a flyer on Brian Edwards probably makes sense as a guy that has maybe a little bit more athletic upside there in terms of you know his size and, and speed profile i know he's struggled more so i, I know a lot of people like like jj zacharyson who's really sharp in the industry was really high on brian edwards as a prospect and he's going to see more opportunity he's been out on the field just hasn't been able to earn the targets but now you would think more targets would be headed his way yeah it's it's kind of funny how they've used him because it's like they they just kind of go to him in streaks you know, the, they won't look his way for, you know, three quarters and all of a sudden they're looking his way in the fourth quarter all the time. Uh, I One of the things I'm doing on that is I'm, uh, you know, Waller hasn't really done a whole lot uh, for the past several weeks. Uh, you know, so definitely in Dynasty, um, I'm throwing out a few feelers on that, see if uh, anybody's giving up on Waller, uh, you know, or at least uh, allowing him to go for a mild discount. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to truly give up on him. But, uh, you know, Waller, Waller, I think, definitely stands to to gain as much as anyone in, in this spot. What do you think, Theo? Yeah, it's uh, it's just crazy how this, this news just comes at you so quickly. Um, I agree with Mike. I think that this could be a real struggle for the Raiders. I don't see anybody who really can, you know, take the top off of a defense like Ruggs. Um, Edwards, they take some shots with, but it's not – it's just not the same kind of speed – um, I think Hunter Renfro is the sneaky ad for me. Um, I think he's a nice buy low. Um, I think they're going to become a little bit more low a dot, um, in their approach. And I, I think it will be a, uh, it, it will be a benefit for, for Waller. Um, I agree with you on that, Dan. Um, Waller's had, I think it's like one top, top eight tight ends a week all season long. And I think that they're going to have to lean on him more. So, if anybody benefits from this, it's it's uh, Renfro and Waller. Um, but I do think it hurts it hurts Carr, and I think it hurts the overall offense and, um, in terms of just what they can do in terms of going over the top. Sorry, I had myself on mute. The, the Coyotes are howling tonight. They're just uh, I've got. I thought they were uh, piercing through the mic here. As, uh, you know, again, not the best of news, but uh, Derrick Henry getting injured. We touched on it a bit with Tennessee. Obviously, he's just a, a beast and a force to be reckoned with, whether it's fantasy or football. What do you think happens here? Uh, and I'll go back to you, Mike. Uh, you know, there's you listen and you hear one in the spectrum. It's McNichols, the pass catching ability. And then you've got, uh, you know, AP coming in, the GOAT uh, coming in to take over the GOAT spot. 
and uh, maybe volume is is kind of the deciding factor. So when it comes to volume and kind of the pass catching or the role, which way do you lean and which way are you going to lean when it comes to this backfield in Tennessee? Yeah, that's something I got to get figured out for, for my waiver wire bids. <laughs> I'm uh, honestly, not alone then. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, it's... You know, generally, I like to side with the pass catcher just because there's usually a little bit more upside there. I mean, you see you kind of what's happening with Michael Carter in the Jets. You know, if you get a lot of checkdowns plus the rush roll, it can really add up in a quick way and give you a ceiling that you're not going to get if you're a pure rusher. With that said, them bringing in AP so quickly, I don't know, it's just tough for me to see them relying on McNicholas between the tackles. So... I could see a situation where AP's getting, you know, 15 carries a game and seeing the red zone roll. It seems kind of crazy to be talking about AP just coming in off the streets and getting 15 <laughs> carries a game, right? Like at his age, I was stunned, man. I looked at the last three years, you know, he scored 20 touchdowns the last three seasons. Um, so it's wild. So I do think, wow. so I, I kind of slightly actually lean the AP side of things just because I think that touchdown upside, I don't see either guy having a huge ceiling. So I I want that goal line roll, that equity by the by the end zone. So I do slightly prefer AP. Don't mind even taking you know a full flyer on down to four men for super cheap if you miss out and AP and McNichols end up going for big bucks. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I think that AP is gonna gonna go um, for a, a ton of fab in a lot of leagues. I think for the reasons Mike talked about. I mean, they brought him in. Um, I, I doubt that they would have brought that AP would have agreed to come out of you know retirement essentially um, if if there wasn't an expectation that he was going to get the early down roll um, and a chance at the goal line roll. But I'm intrigued by McNichols. He's a, he's a very good pass catcher. I think you also look at it as it's crunch time in a lot of leagues. You've got to win the next few weeks in order to to make the playoffs. You're not going to get a lot of AP this week. This week will be a McNichols week. So you get one at least high-volume week guaranteed. Um, and then moving forward, I think that there's a chance that McNichols will carve himself out a nice role. I think the offense is going to have to change, and it's going to have to change pretty quickly. Um, they were you know, relying so hard on, on Derrick Henry. I mean, if you just look at the, the, attempted, uh, the attempts, the rushing attempts are insane. The yardage yeah. alone is nuts. I mean, he's got he's got you know 300 yards more than anybody in football um, as a rusher. But I think he's like a, a hundred more carries than the next guy. So it's going to have to really change. Um, AJ Brown is going to get as much work as he can handle. Um, Julio, like you said, has a, has a great opportunity. But I think it's going to be a different kind of offense and a, a pass catching back should have a nice role in it. Um, I think it could end up being a little like Arizona where. AP sort of the Connor role and you know we get uh McNichols in an Edmonds role so I'm I'm gonna lean with the guy I think I can get cheaper on fab this week in most leagues with McNichols um but it's it's definitely definitely AP is gonna be the guy that you're gonna see getting higher bids in, in most leagues is my opinion what about you Dan yeah I'm kind of at the the same place I mean you know it it let's just acknowledge that AP is a freaking nature um uh, you know the the guy is just, he's, I, I'm sure he's still in incredible shape. He was last year. He has been every year, you know, uh, you know, guys like, like him and, uh, you know, Frank Gore up until recently, it's like, and, and we don't even know for sure if Frank Gore and Derek Gore are actually different people. So he resurrected, man. You didn't know that. That's, <laughs> yeah, right. He saw Mahomes and he's like, I'm coming back, baby. Different name. So, so yeah. Um, you know, and, and I do think, um, uh, 
you know, AP is a little bit slower into the hole than he used to be. He's, you know, he needs a little bit of a bigger hole. He needs it to be open just a little bit longer than he used to. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, you know, get up to full speed as quick. Uh, at least that's what I was seeing last year. But um, he, you know, he's definitely still got the long speed. So, you know, if he breaks into the open field, uh, he could definitely be gone. But I, I do think that the, you know, that what you were saying, Theo, about McNichols and uh, AP possibly having a, uh, you know, a Edmonds and Connor type uh, roles and relationship is, you know, that's a decent chance. And so I'm kind of going into it with uh, fairly even bids on both. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm way low on Fab in a lot of leagues, so I don't expect to win him in too many spots. But, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be doing the old, uh, you know, Dante Foreman for, you know, two bucks or whatever uh, as a, a stopgap. But, you know, I, I think it's worth, you know, just getting whoever you can get in this backfield and see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan, though. Even though I have convinced myself that I prefer AP to McNichols, it's tight. Like, I'm probably going to have my bids are going to be very even. And as a result, if AP is going to be the one that goes for more, that's fine. I'll let him go. I'll take McNichols for cheaper or the, you know, the free Foreman flyer. Like we say here often, guys, and we, we say it, you know, we, we don't know shit. We think we know so much. So because we don't know shit, you sprinkle a bit here and a bit there. You got to hit, right? It's uh, I, I like that that approach, Theo, with uh, getting a piece here and there wherever you can. And, you know, we, we look at another backfield in Philly. And, you know, again, kind of looking at, at the, bat, the, the pass catcher, uh, type back and then the 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 goal line volume kind of guy and and I don't know if this was just a, a pitch to, to kind of get Howard on the radar uh, before the trade deadline but is there a decision here Mike with uh, with Boston and Jordan with regards to this backfield do you are, are you maybe not fooled by uh, the JH comeback uh, and just stick into Scott or, or which way are you leaning in this backfield yeah, I mean, definitely prefer Scott over Jordan Howard. I know. I mean, they each kind of crazy. They each scored two touchdowns. It's kind of crazy that Kenny Gainwell has been stealing touchdowns from Miles Sanders all year long. And then uh, Miles goes out. We play uh, Gainwell in DFS and we get four touchdowns from Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. So had to get that tail off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think Scott's the one you want. I know Levitan had tweeted it was basically like Gainwell was staying in his normal role it like really didn't change and then Boston Scott came in and took the Miles Sanders role with Jordan Howard mixing in from some goal line and some straight rush work you know Howard I believe didn't see a target in that game we saw Boston Scott see some targets and also get the goal line work you know splitting with Howard there so Scott's the guy that just has more upside because he's going to be able to contribute in the passing game. I don't think Howard's ever going to be more than, you know, like a five to eight carry with some goal line work type guy. And that's just not going to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, it's, it's Scott. Um, I'll take the L for uh, Gainwell. I I wrote about him in a, in a waiver wire column on player profiler. I figured it would be a a big Gainwell week, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, It seems like Sirianni just views Gainwell as, as what he is, and you're not going to see any increase. Um, I think Scott, you know, had about twice as many snaps as Howard, um, and they they seem very confident in Scott. So it's it's definitely Scott between the two of them. So you know, this is why I like best ball because you know best <laughs> ball if if you're right for a while, uh, you know, if, if you end up being right, 
then you know you you don't lose it you don't you can't lead yourself astray uh you know like i have a bunch of best ball teams at boston scott because i thought he was probably going to hold the role over gainwell for most of the season so i figured you know yeah i'll take scott he's going cheaper than gainwell and you know why not so i i do have some good exposure to scott uh i did have some in my season long and unfortunately uh those shares all went bye-bye long before uh this whole must happen. So uh, I'm, I'm stuck trying to reacquire Scott uh, in, in uh, the week or two where he's still out on the waiver wire. It was also just a weird game. I mean, 41 to nothing. True. It's not the, not the typical script we're seeing from Philadelphia this year. So they ran the ball so many times as a result that I think that's inflating the Howard numbers more than anything, you know, where, you know, a game against the Chargers this week where it's, you know, it's a tight spread, a little bit more back and forth affair. I could see, you know, I, I could see Howard getting cut out a decent bit and, and gain well, you know, get, getting back to being pretty relevant, you know, despite the disappointing week. The other people want to know. I'm actually uh, drinking a, uh, a seltzer. It's whole food zone, so it's nothing uh, non-alcoholic over here. More exciting would be what Dan's drinking right now. Um, got, I'm flumbling trying to find the air horn, Dan. I was trying to find it there on Theo. His face is beat red right now. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the secret's out. The secret's out. I enjoy seltzer during uh, the week. There it is, brother. Uh, guys, keep keep the questions, the comments coming in the chat. You guys are killing it. Wheeler, ML, I mean, uh, you know, the goodness keeps coming. Kyle's money's in here as usual. Uh, keep it coming, guys. Smash the like, smash the subscribe. Mike uh, Leon being super generous with his time. Do you have a hard out, Mike? I always forget to ask this before we come on. I like to put you on the spot in front of the peeps, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> all right, cool. Try not to keep you too long. But uh, no, man, we appreciate all the goodness tonight. And you know, we're, we're talking about the waiver wire. We've, we've touched on a couple of backfields uh, is, you know, I, I kind of had it at the end with regards to the jets and maybe we throw Mike white in here uh, or that conversation with uh, the quarterback situation out there in, uh, in New York, but anyone else we haven't talked about Mike with the, with, on the waiver wire, that's uh, a t- target that you're considering that, that you think people should consider. Yeah. I think Taysom Hill, if you're in super flex leagues, makes a lot of sense. I mean, or, or even in one quarterback leagues, depending on who your quarterback is, he was just guys that run like Taysom Hill run, have a really nice combination of fantasy floor and ceiling. I mean, there were weeks last year where we had him as a top five raw projected quarterback. You know, I don't know if he has quite the same upside this year as last year. The team has been pretty boring for lack of a sophisticated word there. Uh, It's been pretty dull. You know, they've been slow paced. They've been running a ton, but because of Hill's goal line role, uh, I think, I think he's a good stash. I don't know if he's going to start this week. It sounds like he's really close to returning, but I know the concussion hit him pretty hard and he, I don't know if he's been practicing, so you might not get him to start right away, but there's some long-term upside there. And, I did notice too, like in one of my FFPC leagues, like Trey Lance got dropped and I've got, you know, Jalen Hurts going during his bye week's going to be during what's the FFPC playoff. So, you know, it's not a bad idea as you get to the end of this season to get your second quarterback. A lot of times I'm just carrying one to just keep those running back stashes on my bench as long as possible. But as we get towards the end of the season and depending when the bye weeks are, 
you know, there's some quarterback stashes I'm thinking about. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor is another one that could end up being pretty good. I mean, he was he was pretty legit to start the season, and uh, so if if they go back to him, uh, you know, I got a couple spots where I've got uh, Brady on by this week, and um, I picked up Tyrod and stashed him. I might not be able to use him. I'm probably going to have to pick up yet another quarterback uh, on you know Friday if or, or Saturday if. Uh, if in fact uh, Tyrod doesn't look like he's going to play, but uh, you know that's one I'd roll the dice with. I think a little bit. Yeah, Mike. Mike makes a great point about uh, looking at guys who were cut. Um, it sounds very simple, but you know when you play high volume, like a lot of listeners uh, that we have, you know guys trying to manage you know ten plus teams, you you might go look for the McNichols and the APs. Um, you know maybe the Carlos Hides in every single league just to add them, and you kind of overlook the guys that might be there. Um, this is a good week to, to go back and really look and see who's available. You only have a couple more weeks to, to crank out uh, waivers and, and really grind here. So might as well take a little longer this week if you have it. Um, I know in, 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 a, in one of the, in the, in the main event team that I split with uh, Andrew Schellenberg, I know Dan Arnold is available, um, which was very surprising to me that he'd be available. And it's the only FFPC uh, league that I'm in, and it happens to be a main event that he's available. Um, so I think that was a great point by Mike. Just go take a look. Um, I think that this week it's it's uh, Devontae Parker is available in a lot of home leagues. Um, you know, he, he came back last week. Um, he had 11 targets. Um, I think that, you know, he, he there's no reason he can't do it again this week against Houston. Um, and he was he's the kind of guy that people sleep on that can end up having a really nice end to the season. Um, and then I think tight end-wise, um, for, for a lot of people that play in home leagues, it's a really nice week to add someone. Um, you know, we talk about Wheeler. Wheeler will probably have a comment here, but I talk about Friermuth every every week on the Goat District. But Friermuth is happening. Dan Arnold is available in a lot of home leagues, and I think you can kind of really, really cover up your your tight end spot with one of those guys potentially. Um, you know, both of those guys should see a decent decent target share, and I think we're we're going to reach a point in the season where you know Dan Arnold is is a top ten tight end every single week. Um, there's no reason to, to see him losing volume. Um, he's, he's in a big role and, uh, you know, they're leaning on him. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a sneaky week. You know, you have the big names, but you could also add, add, you know, potential streamer guys. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde would be kind of a fun streamer this week. Um, if James Robinson misses, I think he'd have, uh, potentially 20 touches this week. So it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very busy week on the waiver wire for sure. Theo, give, give a quick plug, man. We got your article on the screen here. Some some serious goodness in there. I, I had to go, uh, Mike. I, I recommend, you know, like I, I went and checked out Theo's thoughts on on some of these guys this week, just because, uh, like you said, you know, you look at these guys and you're like, I don't know which way to go. But uh, Theo, some good insight on the weekly. I know we talked about a waiver wire show on the channel, and and we will get to that. But Theo, I remind the peeps where they can find your goodness uh, to help them out. Yeah, you can find my waiver wire watch list every week on on Player Profiler. Um... Ray Ray Mars is my editor, and he, he does a great job of getting it out um, pretty early on, on every single Tuesday. I usually turn it in. Um, last night I had to write something about Derek Gore, who apparently exists as a human. I didn't know until <laughs> yesterday. Um, and we go, we, go pretty, we go pretty deep on the go. You and everyone we, else. We have not talked about Derek Gore. So Derek Gore made the article, so it, it kept me up a little later. But uh, that, that, it comes out every single Tuesday. And, yeah, I appreciate that, J.D. We're, we're putting out some good content. 
And and there's the tweet that uh, that Mike was talking about, Adam Levitan. I was trying to find it, just breaking down the uh, the RB touches, like basically the first three quarters versus uh, the last quarter, which is uh, which is that's, interesting. That's just why. I, that's why I I didn't real actually I didn't myself realize the the difference. Those Gainwell touches don't make any sense. Like he somehow gets worse as Sanders goes out, and it's, sometimes what were you saying? Like you know, we don't know shit. Like it's it's just crazy, but. But yeah, I'll second the uh, recommendation on Theo's article. Glad to see you talk talking up Devontae Parker because uh, having to slide him in very quickly into uh, the ETR main event team starting lineup this week due to buy. So let's, let's get it, Devontae. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a good one. I think he's going to stick. Um, and what's interesting to me was Jacecki, um his targets went way down when Parker came back on. So I don't know if that was just a one-game sample, but Jacecki's been crushing. Um so I, I hope that's not the case for my Jacky teams, but uh, it's, it speaks volumes for for what how, how Tua likes Parker. So we'll see. Dan, do you have anyone we haven't talked about on uh, on waivers? Man, you guys have hit pretty much everybody. Everything. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. I, I you know I don't have anybody other than just you know like the complete head scratcher type guys that if you're super super desperate, but. Uh, it, so, yeah, I, okay. I, I think we've hit them all right. I think. Uh, do we want to take a look at any of the questions in the uh, chat? Drop a drop one of the questions, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll head to Denver for a little chat. All right. So we got one from uh, our buddy Srikanth. Uh, just one roster spot after I picked Hyde and AP for free. Has to choose from Brian Edwards, Miko, Ayuk, uh, Elijah Moore, Agnew. Van Jefferson, Ty Johnson, or Jordan Howard. Wow, it's a long that's, list. That's, that's, so I think he's asking for list. one. He's asking for one wide receiver and one running back here. If I, if I think that's oh, okay. what that means, right? Okay. So it's pick one wide receiver and then either Ty Johnson or Jordan Howard. Mike. Yeah. Um, I mean, depending on the shape of your team, I'd probably want Ayuk. You know, just his snaps were way back up last game. We we saw that happen earlier in the season, and it didn't mean anything, but. This was a dude that was getting a lot of steam in the offseason, really good breakout profile. I, I'd, he has the most ceiling out of all those guys, I think, pretty clearly. So I, I'd want him stashed as long as you know, you're know you not absolutely having to start him right away. And then Ty Johnson, I think, over Jordan. I really don't think Jordan Howard's going to be a thing. I could be wrong on that, but like I think it, last week was as good as it's going to get for Jordan Howard. There's a flex. Flex for the trade deadline. Yep. Okay. Theo, what do you think? It's, I mean, I think Ty Johnson is is a no-brainer over Jordan Howard. Ty Johnson seeing targets in back-to-back weeks, and he's he's um you know putting up stats um, with Michael Carter's breakout. So I think that's a good sign for him. And Mike White seems to be a checkdown specialist, so it's it's definitely Ty Johnson. Um, the wide receivers, it's a really hard choice. Um, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind having any of those guys. Um, I, I agree. Ayuk is the, um, you know, the the potential potentially best addition here. Um, you know, he, he had his 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 best statistical game last week in, in terms of you know snaps and and routes run and all the metrics we like to see. Um, I'm also intrigued, obviously, by Van Jefferson. I'm a big fan of his. Um, you know, I think that he could he could be a guy we're starting to flex every week um, as the season winds down. And Elijah Moore could finally be happening. Um, I think that the Jets 
if there's going to be any kind of, uh, you know, a moral victory as the season moves along, I think it would be really good for the Jets front office and for Sala to see Elijah Moore, um, you know, become a, a thing as the season ends and have a little steam heading into next season. Um, he's had seven touches in, in back-to-back weeks. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with any of those guys, to be honest, Shrikantha. I think that Ayuk, if, if everything being equal, I go Ayuk. But, um, you know, this might be, a, I think, the cheapest guy option. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I think I'd probably go um, Ayuk first. Mikol is definitely interesting just because, uh, you know, obviously in games where Kelsey's not doing much, uh, Mikol is, is almost by definition doing a little bit more. Um Agree, Elijah Moore. It'd be nice to see him break out. Um, you know, I'm almost a little bit more worried about what happens when uh, Zach Wilson gets back. Uh, you know, because he just doesn't fit the offense as well as as what uh, you know Mike White seemed to to do. Agnew, uh, you know, that's a guy you can pick up on the waiver wire any week. Van Jefferson. Same deal. His upside is going to be capped by the fact that uh, there's just there's so, so many mouths to feed above him. Uh, Brian Edwards, you're you're also kind of betting on him uh, coming from way back on the tar- target totem pole. So you know, I, I'd probably, I'd probably go, oh oh, I, I'd, I'd probably go Ayuk Miko or Elijah Moore. Sybil for me, man. I'm buying the dip. Ayuk, uh, you know, Mike talked about guys that lose value for whatever reason. And the younger the player, the quicker they lose that value. They're just a bigger opportunity for me to jump on and uh, grab a guy like Ayuk for that upside. I mean, look, that offense is 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 struggling. They're going through some, some challenges. Uh, I love me some Debo Samuel, as you guys know, my most owned player in Dynasty. But at the same time, uh, this, this offense is still figuring itself out. And... Um, you know, Ayuk, like we said, is is about upside. I think Edwards is interesting with what's opened up there because I think if we grabbed Edwards uh, coming into the season, we thought there was potential there, and now the opportunity kind of matches up and, and aligns, and, and you know, you think that uh, the opportunity is there now. So I, I think it always depends on also, you know, again, what Mike talked about, it depends on your roster, right? Are you looking for a guy you want to plug in this week, or are you looking for a guy that you're, you know, he's your fourth, fifth, sixth receiver uh, or player that you're adding. And Ty Johnson, I think, is the no-brainer there, as we've all said. Um, I want to go to Denver, guys, uh, before we go to another question in the chat. Big trade um, uh, with uh, L.A., but you're seeing two franchises going in different directions. I mean, the Rams have, have – I mean, they're, they're – they're, uh, you know – I want to say, like, I, I love their style as a franchise. I'm all about the all-in, you know, like uh, play for today type of thing, especially the way the NFL is and and the components they have. So maybe touch on that and, and maybe touch on uh, Denver going in another direction, uh, capitalizing on this opportunity to to get a second and a third. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the trade and, and how does this fit in uh, how you approach these two offenses moving forward? Yeah, I mean the Rams at this point they're so far all in that it's like <laughs> I, I have a dynasty team where like I'm so far all in that like I get to a point where I almost don't even care about the future picks because it's like w- w- once I crater there's no there's no help nothing's gonna stop the crater I kind of feel like that's the way with the Rams like they better win because once it starts to go south I don't think there's any anything a- a- any coming back from that quickly for them but. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fun trip. I mean, as a fan, like I think you're certainly excited in the short term to just see what they can do. Like this is their window; they have to take the chance. Um, I haven't really seen any like trade value charts on it or not, um, but it seemed like okay value. If I'm Denver, the thing that I just can't wrap my head around with Denver is passing on Fields. Um, you know, with the direction that they were going, they kind of knew they were going and. It just seems, and maybe yeah. just selfishly, like I, I would have loved to see Fields slotted into an offense with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant as his weapons, as opposed to what he's dealing with in Chicago. But yeah, I, I am surprised they didn't go Fields in the draft. You know, Drew Locke, I think we pretty much knew that it it wasn't happening with him. And then Bridgewater's just, you know, he's fine. He's solid quarterback, but he's just a stopgap. Yeah, I mean, it's it. The Rams are are just they're they're so all in right now. They're the uh, the NFL equivalent to um to Clark Griswold in Vegas Vacation. They're maxing out every credit card <laughs> and doing everything they can to get that stack up. Um, they're uh, they don't care about draft picks, and they 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 their social media was trolling everybody with it. They just don't care. They're going to trade for the guys that they can get to uh, win a Super Bowl this year. They certainly look like they can win a Super Bowl this year. Um, and they just picked up Von Miller. Um, so this is uh, this is very exciting. I think if you're if you're a Rams fan, they're all in. And it's it's very weird. I agree with Mike. It's very weird um, the decisions made in Denver. I mean, they're they're four and four, and they just came came off of a big win against Washington. Um, they're very much you know a potential playoff team based on their record, and they're they're trading away their best defensive player. Um, and this this will hurt their their entire defense. It's going to really hurt, um, you know, the secondary to not have Von Miller out there as well. Um, so it's uh, it's it's wild. It's 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 great to see the Rams really going for it. Um, I think in a league where people kind of sit on their hands on the trade deadline, it's a little bit refreshing to see a team just say, you know, I'm I'm going for it, pushing the chips in, and going and getting my guy like the Rams in. Dan, uh, a football show is is a a pod I, I I'm a fan of, and and they're kind of talking. You know, Denver is it should be kind of applauded here. If you, I, I know you're, and I I direct this to you, Dan, because you're the contract guy on, on the channel uh, when it comes to these players. And I mean, Von Miller, I believe 32 uh, contract is up. Is it end of this year or next year? Um, I'm not sure on that. I know it's one or the other. So, I mean, is it that bad of a move if you don't think that your team, even though you get into the playoffs, maybe, maybe they just don't think they can actually compete in, in the AFC with, with some of these bigger, bigger teams that we're seeing right now making runs. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, it kind of comes down to getting those picks. If you think you need to reload, uh, you know, the picks are going to be more valuable than a, you know, a guy who's going to be 33 years old next year. And he is, uh, he is an unrestricted free agent next year, so they're getting something out of him. Yeah. Um, you know, so that this makes all kinds of sense if if Denver is just you know taking a an internal scout and they're saying you know what we just don't have the horses this year, we're going to have to uh, you know try to load up and and do better next year. But how how wild is the NFC right now? I mean, you know, you got the Rams pushing their chips in, and you know we. It's not like they're the only one lost team in the NFC. I mean, you know, there's there's the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, uh, the Rams, and then the Bucks are you know one back at uh, six and two. Uh, you know, so that's to me that's 
a lot of swagger that the Rams are showing by pushing their chips in, saying even though this is a loaded field, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna try it. We're gonna we think we can do it. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, we're starting to see the horses that uh, you know are gonna make a run here down the mm-hmm. down the second half and and the final stretch. Um, if we go to KC guy, we guys we saw him uh, last night. The offense, the struggle, the Giants. You know, do you, do you guys have any worries, Mike? Are, are you worried at all as a fantasy player if you're holding some of these guys? I mean, Tyree Kill is, you know, Dan, you want to talk about narrow narrow uh, target trees. It uh, doesn't get narrower than that, especially when Kelsey decides to take a night off. But, Mike, do you have any concerns or, or is there an opportunity here to maybe buy some of these guys? I would say going into last week, I had, like, zero concern with Kansas City and their offense. But... That game Monday night was pretty brutal, you know, home game against the Giants. I mean, the yards per attempt for uh, Mahomes has has been down pretty poorly. It seems like a lot of teams are just making them play more of a grinded out style than they want to, than they're used to. So I'd say there's like a hint of concern, but ultimately, you know, I mean, I think over the course of the season, we're we have too much of a strong prior on Mahomes to really be that concerned. And I guess the biggest one that you might be worried about is Travis Kelsey. Like is the age model coming for Travis Kelsey? Is he like 32 or 33 at this point? And I don't know. I, I think if you have Travis Kelsey, probably you don't want to sell low on Travis Kelsey and you're keeping him. I would, and I'm generally the guy that, at times probably tends to underreact more so than overreact. So I'd be more likely to buy low on mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey than panic sell him at this point. It just, it seems like it's just a bad stretch of games. So I, I don't know. I don't know how much stock to put into, you know, we've seen Mahomes' attempts way up, but the yards, I mean, we've seen, I'm looking at his game log right now, four games this year under six yards per attempt, which is kind of insane when you look at his historical track record one of the things that's been so absurd about Mahomes he just has like zero bad games and now we've got a few of them so uh, as you can tell I'm like waffling a little bit on whether or not we should be concerned here because like talent wise there's no concern but we've also had some outcomes from Mahomes that are a little bit on the extreme side that have happened a few times that had never really happened before I, I, before I let the other two kind of jump in, I just, you know, obviously you're, you want to pick your DFS brain. Does that open the opportunity more this year versus previous years with KC as an option going into each weekend because they haven't been as dominant? Whereas before, I feel like everybody was kind of building around, you know, Mahomes and, and Hill. Whereas now it's, I, I feel like it's probably more spread, right? That goodness. And maybe it's a better option for that reason, or am I wrong? No, I think you're right where we might get an ownership discount this weekend. And again, this is where sometimes my DFS brain and my seasonal brain might go in different directions. Like season long, I'm taking this long view and it makes me kind of ask you know a tougher question over what the threat level or concern for Kansas City should be. Whereas for DFS, I'm kind of just trusting the numbers where I know I'm in our projections for ETR, I'm waiting the more recent performance, like a little bit heavier than the performance that came before that. So I'm taking into account that Mahomes has had a few bad games, but you know, I kind of trust the data that we've built up that it's not going to overreact. It's going to regress him appropriately. And 
you know, I'm just kind of kind of trust those numbers. I'm not going to go, oh, they look shaky. I'm going to kind of see like, I'm going to take in the new data. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm going to use it. But then sort of like what, what the machine spits out, the machine spits out, so to speak. That makes it sound a little bit more simplistic than it is. But it really is a fun spot for DFS. This game against Green Bay could turn into a bit of a shootout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, to me, it just, you know, on a, a more visceral level, you know, it just kind of seems like Mahomes just doesn't have quite the same level of confidence. Um, you know, he, and he's off on his deep throws more than we've seen him be before, you know, but part of what he's done in past years is is just, you know, he's fearless in launching those deep throws and all that. And some of it's probably his protection. I don't think he trusts his, his line as much. Uh, some of it's just the way that uh, the, the opposing defenses are playing him. They're sagging back a lot more. They're not giving him as, as many open avenues down deep. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything. But right now, I think probably the, you know, maybe one of the, the, the most important things is it's just kind of shaking his confidence a little bit. And, uh, you know, so he's he's just not playing the same way with the same style that he has been. Uh, you know, for sure, Hill has been bailing him out. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, also Kelsey, uh, you know, if Kelsey's not playing well, then it's really tough on that offense because, I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, the passing tree has always been kind of held up by the twin poles of uh, Kelsey and Hill. And when one of those poles collapses, uh, it just makes it a lot tougher. Yeah, I mean, the Monday night was, was a, weird, a weird game. Um, you know, it looked like they were going to score a touchdown on the first drive and there was <laughs> deflected interception. It just seems like anything that can be going wrong for Kansas City is going wrong. Um, they got the win last night. It was an important game to win, but it wasn't. They they certainly didn't cover. They certainly didn't you know leave their fans feeling like everything's right. Um, I I like Mike's call on a on a potential shootout against Green Bay. Um, I mean that is that is a landmine game for Kansas City. They almost have to win that game. Um, they have Dallas. They have uh, Las Vegas twice, uh, and Vegas, um, you know, has had good success against them last season. Um, and they have Denver, so they have you know four, two, three division games in Dallas right after this one. Um, so they almost have to get this win in KC against Green Bay. I think that would right a lot of wrongs if they could beat Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay in Kansas City. But um, they're going to have to play a lot sharper than they, than they did against the Giants. And I do worry um, to touch on what Mike said about about Kelsey. I also wonder if Kelsey just been kind of carrying nagging injuries since the preseason. I mean, we saw those little preseason reports and he was dealing with, with injuries. Um, he certainly looked different a few weeks ago than he did last night. Um, you know, he had the fumble, but he just – something didn't look right. Um, I could be totally overreacting to it, but I'll be interested to see if Kelsey can bounce back this weekend. Um, you know, you'd, you'd, hate to, you'd hate to see, you know, him, him slip up. Um, and it's kind of a hard spot in Dynasty because, you know, most Kelsey teams are, are still towards the top of the standings. So it's not really a guy you can sell. Um, so it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough spot. It's, but they've uh, they, a lot of goodwill would come if they could just get a big win this weekend and go over Green Bay. For sure. Wins always make everything better, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fantasy and in, in NFL. Totally. Um, Mike brought up one of my OTCs for tonight. So let, let's do a quick, like, uh, rapid fire here, really quick. Ayuk or A Rod rest of season 
Leone as our uh, guest of honor? Uh, I'm going Ayuk. Do I, I, I don't know how the rapid fire works. Should I be uh, explaining no, that? Or just, yeah, yeah, it's just quick. It's perfect. Theo? Okay. <laughs> Gosh, that, that's that's a that's a tough one. I, I, I will go. I will go. A Rob. I, I don't. I don't trust the 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 the, the goodwill towards uh, IU from Shanahan week in week out. <laughs> Dan, I, I'm reluctantly going Ayuk. Uh, I would rather just lean over the toilet and puke. But can I take option? Can I take option C, JD? Is there a third option? Uh, yeah. I um before we close this thing out, I just wanted to bring up um, Jeremy at Pope's FFH puts up the top PPR scoring and skill position players through week eight. As as we're kind of through, uh, you know, we're kind of through the halfway point here. Mike, I just a- any thoughts on this? Any you know, you see guy like Debo Samuel in the top four, Cooper Cup as, at at the top. You know, I know for a fact that not a lot of people had these guys. <laughs> Uh, you know, in, in this kind of ranking, uh, do you, what are your thoughts? Any opportunities that you see here, uh, whether that's a seller, a buy, like a dynasty wise or, or, or in any DFS redraft, wherever you see it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're not competing, I could see selling really high on Cooper cup in dynasty, just because as we mentioned, this Rams team is all in, but it's something that could go bad, you know, quicker than we realize in a year or two. And I think, at his age right now, you're probably still going to get a really nice price on him. So I could see that as a sell. Uh, Jamar Chase, hold on to him at all costs. Do not sell him in Dynasty. For redraft, though, it's interesting with Cup and Samuel. Like their target shares have been so high and so consistently high that, like, obviously they're probably not going to finish first and fourth in scoring. But I'm really not that worried about him. You know, like I'm not selling Cup in redraft. You know, I think he is the wide receiver one or two rest of the season in redraft. I just think it makes sense from a dynasty perspective. And, you know, looking at the running backs on this list, uh, you know, I wonder if you can maybe get DeAndre Swift after a down week. Everybody was hyped when Jamal Williams was out that Swift would have this huge week. But, you know, his work in the passing game and the red zone role, I mean, that's, that's what we want to see out of our running backs. So I could really see him emerge you know him and Taller like really seem like they they could emerge here as being like kind of the rb winners down the stretch Theo, what are your thoughts man on this uh this top top list yeah, here just, what we've seen just, so far this year depressing to see to see derrick henry um you know it's just it's oh yeah it just he keeps, yeah. keeps having to get back to what cup is doing is simply unbelievable he's outscoring almost every quarterback let alone skill position player right now. Um, the guy, the guy's on fire. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that if you have him in dynasty, just, just ride it out because, you know, you're going to be in great shape to, to win a championship with him. Um, we've talked about Debo Samuel um, in dynasty. JD, JD uh, and Dan and I have, have kind of gone over this with a few guests. Is it the time to cash out on Debo Samuel in dynasty? This is this is the the peak of his value. Um, is he doesn't seem like the kind of guy you're going to be drafting in, you know, the top twenty picks of of a regular PPR draft next year. Um, there's a chance maybe maybe he does go that high, but um, you know we had this this conversation with Michael Edelman last week, um, you know, and we've we've gone over it a few times on the Go District. How 
it might not feel right, but when you have a chance to 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 trade somebody at their absolute career peak, mm-hmm. um, it's sometimes the correct move. It's a guy with injury history. He's 25 years old. He's not, you know, like like Chase. He's not like some 20 21 year old. Um, he's certainly not old, but I don't know. It's it, it, he's he's just performing at such an unbelievable level. He looks so explosive. It would make you almost sick to trade him, but you could get two firsts and something um, from from a lot of people in Dynasty right now. What do you think, Dan? Is that crazy? I don't think that's necessarily crazy. I mean, you know, if he's a if he's a key cog to your your machine for winning, uh, you know, you got to hang on to him. But if you know, if you if if you just don't think it's your year, uh, I would definitely be looking to move him. You know, Cooper Cup is kind of. Uh, he, he's, he's basically the 2019 Michael Thomas, um, you know, the 2021 version of it. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm riding cup, you know, all the way through this year. Uh, let's, let's just hope that, uh, you know, 2022 goes better for cup than, uh, 2020 went for Michael Thomas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, for the rest of the year, probably fade Derek Henry. I think that's okay. the the Debo thing so tough for me because he was someone I had as you know by low coming into this year in dynasty and elsewhere there's some crazy stat but if you look at guys that had greater than two yards per route run each of the first two years of their career it's like this insane list it's like Odell Beckham AJ Green you know Julio Jones like it's just this crazy outrageous good list that he's on and he's doing it again and like he's just you know, it, it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but he keeps producing year in and year out. But at the same time, to Theo's point, like almost any time you can sell somebody at the pinnacle, you, you got to entertain it. I mean, you got to be level headed. You, you just it's not going to get better than this for Debo. You know, as much as I love him, I think he's really solid. I mean, it is the absolute pinnacle right now. And, you know, if Lance takes over and they're you know, if Kittle comes back, like you can see some things where I don't think it would go bad for him, but it, it would soften, you know, he'd be go from like elite wide receiver to just like good, solid contributor. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, he could, he could easily become, you know, a little bit more of a Tyler Lockett type, you know, where it's a lot more hit and miss from week to week and, uh, you know, less reliable. So, yeah. And, and you know, it, I've always said if you're if you've got a player that's sitting at the very top, you know, one of the, you know, top dozen or so players in Dynasty, you know, there's really almost nowhere for them to go but down. So, uh, you know, might as well sell, uh, you know, as, again, as long as you're not using them for a current championship run. So uh, any of my other teams, I tend to sell guys like that. Agreed, especially, um, you know, older guys at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but guys, we, you know, we talk about it often Buy the dips, sell, sell high. Uh, you can't really go wrong, you know, especially if you can get, we talk about pivot all off season. We talked to you guys about trading and dynasty and, and pivoting. If you can pivot off of, you know, a cup or a Samuel and get a guy in a tier that you have similar, um, or, or even if it's a tier down and you get something with it on top, you're, you're winning. And the other thing that I think is important to think of when you're making any of these trades, are you trying to build value? Or are you in a rental mode or in, in uh, rebuild or are you trying to win now? Cause uh, you know, those are, if you're trying to win now, like we said, guys, guys like cup and, and Debo uh, stick to them. Cause you didn't, 
especially a guy like Debo, you you know, you came into the season, like Mike said, and, and you got him at a really nice value. And he's way overproducing expectation. Uh, you know, he's he's the uh, definition of that this season. So hopefully we helped you guys out tonight. Mike, we appreciate all the goodness that uh, you shared with us tonight. Remind the people where they can find uh, all the goodness that you bring to Fantasyland and anything else uh, you want to give our audience before we shut this down. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. Had a great time. Uh, but yeah, second off, if you want to find me, you can find me over at Establish the Run. Uh, we I do a show with Drew Dinkmeyer each Saturday morning, Establish a Million, looking at DFS tournaments as part of the Establish the Run in-season package and have a free podcast, Establish the Edge, that you can check out uh, recording an episode with Rich Rebar of uh, you know Warren Sharp's website tomorrow. So check that out. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I, I'm sure I'm going to definitely have that one circled. Mark that down in the calendar, uh, guys. Put that in in your schedule for tomorrow. Uh, Dan, I mean, ton tons. I mean, we covered all kinds of stuff tonight. I know when we were putting the show sheet tonight, it's like we could have gone on with another, you know, another thirty different topics because of all the juiciness going on in fantasy land and and us wanting to to pick our guests' brain, but. Anything else you want to give the piece before we close this out or uh, remind them of? No, not really much other than, uh, you know, we, we, we've kind of been talking about it all, you know, the entire episode, but FFPC, one of the, one of the best places to play, you know, any kind of game you want to play, they've got it. Um, so if, if you're not in the FFPC this year, make sure you bookmark it. Uh, make sure you hit us up here on the GOAT district. Uh, we'll see if we can get you some freebies and uh, get you in there next year. For sure. Theo, buddy, another solid, serious booking tonight with the with the guests. You're just smashing the VIPs, uh, bringing in the best in the game. Uh, you know, and Mike is, is just another example of that. So we appreciate that. And uh, remind the piece, man, whether it's the waiver wire goodness or anything else you want to share. Yeah, so it's it's been a, it's been a great run of guests. Mike was fantastic tonight. Um, we have the 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 top two leaders of the Scott Fishbowl. Um, Billy Muzio and Ben Gretz. Um, Ben's actually in first, Billy's in second. We're both on the GOAT district, uh, you know, very recently. And we have the, the um, what is what is uh, Billy right now um, in the primetime band? Is he second right now or first? Um, you know, I haven't even checked. That's a, that's well, a great uh, question. Hang on. Top three. Oh. Billy, Billy Wazowski is top three right now in the NFFC yes. primetime. He's been on recently. So we've been had, had a, a wonderful run of guests. Um, and we're going to bring you, uh, you know, a lot more more great shows in November. This was a great way to get off with Mike. We appreciate you coming on. And yeah, you can find my writing at Player Profiler. Um, I do the waiver wire article every week. You can find me on Twitter at the OG Fancy, and you can find me here in the Goat District. And uh, JD, we have a show Thursday night as well, right? For sure, man. I was going to say, make sure you follow all three of these badasses uh, in Fantasyland. And Thursday, we're, we're bringing it back a bit dynasty. We're kind of refocusing. We got our boy Matt Hicks, uh, fellow GOAT, and, uh, you know, Mr. ESPN uh, out there. He, he's coming on, and our boy Jordan McNamara uh, from McNamara Dynasty. You all know him, uh, you know, all the goodness that he brings to the game. So we're going we're gonna to mix it up and bring both of them on. If, for those who don't know, on Thursday nights, we do a tailgate from 7 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, right before the Thursday night football game, you know, get get you a little warmed up while everybody's sitting at their uh, your laptop on their phones trying to set up their lineup, deciding, uh, you know, which Thursday night guy they need to to figure out. 
before the weekend. But, uh, you, you know, stick with us for those. Stick to, stick with the channel. We're, we're going to keep bringing the heavy hitters. That's what we're doing here in the GOAT district. Smash the like. Smash the subscribe. That's how you can show us uh, the support. And you see the gear right here, the GOAT gear. I've got the hat, the shirt right here. Uh, check out Viridian Global dot com forward slash collections forward slash goat district for uh you know whether it's tees shirts your your way of showing your support again for the show uh is out there of reading and they've got all kinds of goodness uh, whether it's fantasy players or, or or other pods that you might listen to guys again uh don't drink and drive man just seriously it's not worth it, it it's never worth it it's uh you know especially with all the options you have out there you're better off, uh, you know, the embarrassment of calling someone if, if you don't want to Uber or can Uber for whatever reason. But uh, it's never worth it. Do not do it. Be safe out there. Guys, we'll check you all later. Go get those W's and uh, make that run in the ship, guys. And tune in because we're going to help you get there. Later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. Trade's not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. if anyone else noticed but they established the run uh colors go really well with the goat district colors i don't know if anyone else <laughs> noticed that and uh, you know i'm just saying if you want to bring that to the attention of uh, mr silva or you know, something yeah. like that. S- similar color scheme man we got it it's the goat green <laughs> uh dude that was awesome man appreciate you coming on tonight yeah